Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so we're still reading The Pesky Kids 5, The Final Mission, and we're up to Chapter 3, What Was That? Um, So let's just get stuck into it. What was that about, demanded April. You just tried to kill a man in broad daylight. Yeah, even April doesn't do stuff that crazy, said Finn. Attempted murder at breakfast is not the done thing at all, Mrs. P, said Loretta. said Pumpkin excitedly. He was the only one who wanted Mum to go back in and attack the chef again. Mum wasn't listening. She was all worked up, her eyes blazing. How long have you known that man, she demanded. The chef, asked Dad. Well, I met him for the first time a couple of months ago when I had to go in and apologise for April's behaviour. But I believe he's been there for several years. He's not a chef, said Mum. That man was an agent for the collective for over a decade. Yeah, well, that explains why he never cleans anything, said April. He's not been trained properly. Oh, he's been trained, said Mum, but not in cooking. Not cooking food, anyway. What's he doing here, then, asked Loretta. He botched a major operation, said Mum. Dozens of people didn't die as a result. Then he simply disappeared. No one's seen him since. That was 12 years ago. And you say he's been here in this tiny backwater town cooking egg and bacon rolls? It doesn't make sense. They're r- r- really good egg and bacon rolls, said Joe. No, said Mum. It's too much of a coincidence. Maynard hides my family here, and a long-lost operative is here too. She glanced back through the window and quickly turned away because the chef was still watching them. And he's never tried anything? He's never tried to grab you or make you give him information? Oh, he did threaten April once, said Finn, but she totally deserved it. She was standing on his table yelling at his customers at the time. But why would he be here in Currawong, asked Mum. Oh, perhaps, said Dad, there's a small chance that maybe you're a little bit mistaken. What, said Mum. Well, said Dad, trying to be diplomatic, if no one has seen this man for 12 years, he would probably look very different now. Perhaps the chef merely looks like the man you remember. I know it's him, said Mum. How, asked Loretta, did he have some sort of distinctive scar or tattoo? No, said Mum, scars and tattoos can be faked. But if you look into a man's eyes while you try to strangle the last breath out of his body, you can see right down into his soul. I would recognise him anywhere. Okay, Mum, just so you know, you're coming across as nutty as a high-protein energy bar, said Finn. You might want to tone back the crazy conspiracy theories just a little bit. I'm not mad, said Mum. You have been under a lot of pressure lately, said Dad. Stress can do all sorts of things to your mind. It can make you confused. It can make you see things that aren't really there and hear things that aren't really there and not be able to tell the difference between things that are there and aren't there. 
We get it, Dad, said April. There's no need to list all your symptoms. We get to see them every day. I am not stressed, protested Mum. You kind of look stressed, said Joe. After everything you've been through, said Dad, it would be odd if you weren't stressed. Mum had no response. In a small part at the back of her mind, she started to doubt herself. The interrogators in prison had spent an awfully long time trying to make her crack mentally. What if they'd succeeded? What if she was falling apart? I know! Spa day! exclaimed Loretta. That's what you need, Mrs Pesky. A day of pampering. My name is Dr Banfield, said Mum. I know, said Loretta, but I find it hard to call people with PhDs doctors without laughing. Since Mr Pesky has adopted me, how about we compromise and I just call you Mum instead? But Mum wasn't listening. She'd spotted something on the far side of the road. Quick, hide! Mum dived behind a telegraph pole. No one else moved. What are you doing? asked Joe. The man on the other side of the street. Do you know him? asked Mum. She had her back pressed to the telegraph pole, so she was hidden from view. If anyone had been watching, they would have been wondering why the Pesky family were all talking to a telegraph pole. Which man? asked Finn. There were quite a few people about putting up potato decorations, and there were several people holding ropes getting ready to haul up a giant paper mache potato over the middle of the street. The one in high-vis yellow, next to the bicycle, said Mum. You mean the postman? asked Loretta. He's no postman, said Mum. That's Roland Kumpf. He was a top Libyan explosives expert in the 1980s. I don't think so, Mum, said Finn. He's just Sam the postman. He's so afraid of Pumpkin, he hasn't even got the courage to come into our front yard. Pumpkin did give him a nasty bite, said Loretta. Well, several nasty bites. Pumpkin yapped happily at the memory. It was his own fault, said April, patting Pumpkin protectively. A postman wearing shorts. That's blatantly provocative. He was just asking for it. Mum spotted someone else. No, she muttered. She dashed from behind the telegraph pole, ducking behind a bin instead, so she'd be obscured from a different angle. What is it now? asked Dad. Mum pointed to the window of the Good Times Cafe. Surely you don't want to go back in for the bubble and squeak, asked Finn. The woman in the reflection, said Mum. They realised Mum wasn't looking into the cafe, but at a person reflected in the glass. That's Olga Romanoff. She was a legendary operative for the KGB. Even Stalin was frightened of her. April gave up trying to see anything in the reflection and turned to look across the street. She burst out laughing. Ha! That's just Mrs Bellamy. She's a batty old lady. April chided Dad. You shouldn't disrespect the elderly. I respect the elderly, said April. I always take the time to stop and talk to the people at the old folks' home. No, you don't, said Finn. You stop to yell at them. Well, they're always watering their garden when they shouldn't, said April. They're so old, they should know about water restrictions. I'm informing them of their civic duty. We should get away from here, said Mum. She's got a pram. She could have a bomb in there. Now all the pesky kids laughed. It's not a bomb, said Joe. It's a cat. Called Princess Anastasia, added April. That's one of the baddiest things about her. She takes her morbidly obese cat out for walks so it can get some fresh air. Then she complains when Pumpkin helps it exercise by playing with it. You mean trying to eat it, corrected Finn. Same, same, said April. I swear that's her, said Dr Banfield, risking a glance around the side of the bin. We had to memorise the appearance of every known enemy agent. Hmm, have you had your eyes tested recently, asked Loretta. I know you are a terrifyingly competent international operative, but you are also over 40, and perhaps it's time for you to get a stronger prescription in your glasses. My eyesight is fine, snapped Mum. 
What about your brain, asked April. Perhaps it turned to mush from eating all that prison food. Mum was taken aback. April, that's no way to speak to your mother, said Dad. She's been under a great deal of stress lately. And by lately, I mean for the last 25 years. If she has started seeing infamous enemy operatives everywhere, it's not surprising. I haven't gone mad, protested Mum. Of course not, said Dad kindly, taking her hand and patting it. But stress can do terrible things to the human brain. After Professor Maynard kidnapped me and forced me to move here, one day I forgot to water my delphiniums, and it was a hot day, and they all withered and died. I cried and cried like a baby for three days, and I think that had more to do with stress than the actual delphiniums. Although, Dad sniffed, they were beautiful plants. They didn't deserve to be cut down so young. Dad sobbed. I'm not suffering stress, said Mum. Of course you're not, said Loretta. Stress is so 20th century. You're suffering from PTSD. Painfully thick stupid disease, asked April. Post-traumatic stress disorder, said Loretta. Perhaps you should see someone, said Dad. Good idea, said Loretta. The town psychiatrist is due back in four and a half months. Do you think you can hang on to the shreds of your sanity for that long? Mum wasn't listening anymore. She was watching Mrs Bellamy turn the corner and disappear from view. We should regroup at the safe house to strategize, said Mum. Okay, said April. You do that, but we're going to go and regroup at school to get educated because we're kids and we haven't got time to chase imaginary spooks about the streets of Currawong. But, Mum, didn't you say you wanted to come see our school? asked Finn. Why would she want to do that? asked April. It's the place where we spend all our time, said Finn. I think it's normal for parents to want to see their child's school. Please, said April. If you're still expecting our parents to behave normally, you're the one whose brain's fried. Of course I want to see it, said Mum, although her tone wasn't terribly convincing. But there's something I need to take care of first. Huh, said April. Whenever you or Professor Maynard say you're going to take care of something, it never means you're going to feed a newborn kitten with an eyedropper full of milk. Come along, Bertha, said Dad. I've got some chamomile tea at home. The packet says it's supposed to be very restful. And that is the end of the chapter. But let's keep going. Let's go on to Chapter 4, Diversion. April stalked down the main street, a few paces ahead of the others. She would have quite liked to kick something, but the town had been tidy for the upcoming potato festival and there was nothing to kick. Up ahead of them, the large papier-mâché potato was about to be raised. It was roughly the size of an Indian elephant, so it was not a simple job. Four ropes were attached to four telegraph poles, two on either side of the street with pulleys to help lift it. Right, said the fire chief. On the count of three, we all heave together. One, two, three, heave! Unfortunately, at the exact moment the fire chief said heave, Pumpkin recognised one of the rope pullers. It was his old friend, Sam the postman. Pumpkin yelped a bark of delighted recognition and rocketed forward to say hello. The problem was, Pumpkin's idea of how to say hello to a postman was to sink his razor-sharp teeth into the postman's naked calf. Ah! screamed the postman, partly from shock and partly from the very real pain of having 42 teeth pierce his legs simultaneously. Pumpkin loved this attention. He bit down harder. The postman let go of his rope to try to detach the dog. The cable whistled up through the pulley and the huge potato swung away from the limp rope. Look out! cried the fire chief, although it was unnecessary. No one in the street could take their eyes off the unfolding disaster. 
The big potato swooped across the street. Two pedestrians were able to leap out of the way, but there was a parked car. And parked cars can't leap anywhere. The potato slammed into the side of the bright red SUV. Luckily, the paper mache was still quite wet, so the huge potato hit the car with more of a splat than a thud. There was a moment's pause, then muffled screaming. Ah! 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 I think there's someone in the car, said Finn. Joe's natural heroic instincts kicked in. He ran around to the driver's door and yanked it open. The screaming became deafening. Joe reached in and pulled out Daisy, Odin's daughter. It's okay, you're safe, Joe assured her. The car was hit by a giant rock, wailed Daisy. I could have died. It was just a potato made out of paper mache, said April. The whole thing probably only weighs 50 kilos. I doubt it even dented your car. She kicked the car to demonstrate how robust it was. It was terrifying, said Daisy. Hold me. She threw herself at Joe's chest. He wrapped his arms around her reflexively to stop himself toppling backwards. Then there was a second bout of screaming. Joe looked up to see who it was. At first, his brain couldn't comprehend what he saw. It was as if he'd jumped in a time machine, gone forward 30 years into the future, and was watching an older version of Daisy screaming again. Then his brain figured it out. This must be Daisy's mother. What have you done to my beautiful car? She cried. It's only paper, flour and water, said Finn. It should come off easily enough. It's a mess, yelled Mrs. Odin's daughter. Who did this to me? It was an accident, really, said Loretta, an unfortunate consequence of circumstance. It was the dog that did it, accused the postman, still clutching his leg. All eyes turned to Pumpkin. He sat dutifully at April's heel, his tail wagging vigorously. He was having a fabulous morning so far. That's it, said Mrs. Odin's daughter. I'm reporting you lot to the police. You're a menace to society. No, Mum, you can't, cried Daisy as she nestled into Joe's arms. Not now, Joe is my boyfriend. What? exclaimed Joe. He looked down and realised he was still holding Daisy. He let go of her quickly and stumbled backwards. No, I'm not. Are you the boy who broke my Daisy's heart at the cockroach race ball, demanded Mrs. Odin's daughter? She told me all about you. I... Joe desperately tried to say something in his defence, but his tongue couldn't form words. There wasn't enough oxygen getting to his brain. No, said Loretta, firmly stepping forward. Joe is not Daisy's boyfriend, because Joe is my boyfriend. Finn made a strangled noise in the back of his throat. Finn had been secretly in love with Loretta since he first saw the morning sunlight glistening off her silky black hair as she crashed Vladimir through Dad's flowerbeds. Hearing that Joe was Loretta's boyfriend made Finn feel like he'd been punched in the heart. Joe was equally distressed. What? he cried. This was going from bad to worse. I'm sorry, Joe, said Loretta. I know it's a lot for you to take in. But six weeks and three days ago, you bought me an ice cream. Daisy and her mother gasped. They appreciated the enormity of this gesture. So? asked Joe. It was a double scoop with sprinkles, added Loretta, rubbing Daisy's nose in her triumph. It is a widely known custom in Currawong that to buy a girl an ice cream is to ask her to be your girlfriend. But but I didn't know that, said Joe. Ignorance is no defence, said Loretta. You bought me the ice cream, I ate the ice cream. The die has been cast. You're going down, pesky, said Daisy. I'm going to crush you. I'm calling the police right now, said Daisy's mum, fishing her phone from her handbag. 
Good luck, said April. Constable Pike is still in hospital recovering from a head injury. Then I'm calling the animal control officer, said Daisy's mum. Yeah, that won't work either, said Finn. He's still in jail for trying to shoot us with a dart gun. You're destroying this town one institution at a time, accused Mrs Odin's daughter. Currawong's become totally lawless. It's like the Wild West. Hey! Kieran, a know-it-all boy from their school, yelled out to them. Hey, you lot! He was running towards them while waving a small piece of paper in his hand. Ugh, said April. What does he want? Kieran ran right up to the peskies, but he couldn't explain himself because he was gasping for breath. He'd evidently been running for some time. What is it? asked Loretta. Kieran's mouth opened and closed, but no words came out. He reached into his pocket and pulled out an asthma inhaler. He handed the slip of paper to Joe and took a deep inhale of Ventolin. What is it? asked Finn, trying to read over Joe's shoulder. But it was hard because Joe was so much taller. We've been invited to tea and scones by the president of the Country Women's Association, said Joe. Oh dear, said Loretta. You're going to get it now, said Daisy, a smug grin on her spiteful face. Don't even talk to them, said Mrs Odin's daughter. If the CWA are involved, they'll all get their just desserts. Not dessert, said Joe, just scones. They'll make mincemeat out of you, said Mrs Odin's daughter, and it's nothing less than you deserve. Come along, Daisy, get in and I'll drive you to school. Are you sure that's roadworthy, asked Finn, looking at the SUV with a giant potato stuck on one side. No one asked you, nerd, retorted Daisy as she slammed the door. They drove away, narrowly missing Sam the postman, who Mrs Odin's daughter had no chance of seeing through all the paper mache. Well, I don't care what anyone says, said April. I'm not going to be late for school just to drink tea with a bunch of old ladies. Oh no, you can't ignore a summons from the CWA, said Loretta. Why not, asked Finn. You just can't, said Kieran. He'd recovered himself enough to speak. They run this town, said Loretta. Then they're doing a really bad job, said April. This town is a shambles. But that's their genius, said Loretta. They run it on Machiavellian principles. The town veers from one chaotically organised festival to the next. Everyone's always preparing for or recovering from some major event. It's chaos. And chaos is the perfect environment for manipulative, passive-aggressive old ladies to wield their power. Police, said April. I know what old people are like. They can't remember if they took their medication or not. So how are they going to run a whole town? I want to go, said Joe. You just want the scones, snapped April. Joe nodded. There'll be jam and cream too. The thought of homemade baked goods was almost helping him get over the devastation of the egg and bacon rolls. Okay, well, that's the end of the chapter, so we'll leave it there. And until next time, goodbye.